Hello, how you doing? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of Be Bougie, Be True, Be You. I'm Charlotte Jones. I usually say I hope you've had a good week, but I am fully aware it has been a good month, maybe even slightly longer. I can't lie, August has gone in a blur and I am so happy and excited to be back and starting to adjust to my new routine. The whole reason the podcast has taken a bit of a break is purely because I have started a completely new job in a completely new industry and there is a lot to learn and a lot to get my head around and I am enjoying it and it's great fun and it's really interesting to learn something new but oh my goodness, it has taken it out of me. This is the first week where I actually feel quite human, like I can do other things other than think about the job. So yeah, it's lovely to be back. I am very excited to share this week's episode with you. It is with the fabulous Nora Wendell. And Nora is an intimacy and relationship expert who is currently living in Bali. She is living a fabulous life, which you can see on her Instagram, which is at Nora Wendell. And in this episode, we spoke all about rejection and how to come to terms with rejection and how to stop it impacting the decisions that you make in your day-to-day lives. And Nora does talk about this in the episode, but she has now released her book, which is called Confident, Sexy, Wild and Free. And you can find out all about her book and where you can get it on her Instagram page. But as much as I am loving catching up with you, let's start this week's episode. You're listening to Be Bougie, Be True, Be You with Charlotte Jones, the podcast to chat about a little bit of anything and everything. Welcome, Nora Wendell. Hello, how are you? Hi, well, I'm tuning in from Bali, so I'm freaking fantastic. Oh, well, I am very jealous because it is absolutely chucking it down here in England so I'm sitting here swelling it out oh gosh well what I want to talk to you today about is rejection and all things around it because what I really am noticing more and more is just how big a part rejection actually has to play when it comes to making the right decisions in our relationships because So many people are choosing to stay in relationships that are either toxic or have even just come to the end of the road. But that feeling of rejection just can be so overpowering that they choose to stay in something that is just not working for them. How would you explain rejection? Is it as simple as people think? Well, first of all, when you ask that question, I'm like, well, is it simple for you? It's like, what what does that mean? That's like a generalization. And the more I start talking about rejection, the more that it's not really that simple. It's like multifaceted layers peeling back the onion. But when you get to the very, very core of rejection, it's ultimately that we are so afraid that we're not going to be loved for who we are. And anything that comes into, uh, into the sphere of threat of that not getting the love for who we are feels like rejection. And it's really the foundational longing every single one of us has is to be loved. 
And this is where things start to get complicated and conflict arises and we act out in ways that we're not even aware of yet, I should say, because when you start to do this work, you'll, you'll understand it, is we're not taught how to get the love that we truly want and desire. And that's, that is why so many of us fear rejection. Do you think that's easy to teach? Okay, again, what does easy mean? It's like, are you willing to look at yourself? Are you willing to access painful experiences you've had in the past? Are you willing to uh, do, for you know, lack of a better term, the inner work uh, at looking at why you fear rejection so much? So for some people, that, that question would be like, no, it's not easy. And for other people, if the commitment of self is there, when you realize this isn't who I want to be, then yes, it can be easy. But I, I, easy is not a term that I like to use. I like to use effortless. It's effortless. Like I, I, I'm always asking myself, how do I make things effortless in my life? How do I really tune into desires and longings and wants and then get out of my own way? I love that. And I want to go back to what you were saying about peeling back the layers of the onion because obviously we all have our own experiences with rejection, whether it's because of something or multiple things that happened in our childhood or things that have happened in previous relationships. But in what ways have you seen rejection have a negative influence in relationships with women? Yeah, so relationships with women, I think it's it's two core things really, and, it, and, and it's they're kind of in opposition. So I want you to think in in terms of your life, what what resonates with with you, uh, and about what what I'm about to say. First of all, if you really truly fear rejection, it might swing one way where you become so needy and so codependent, and you end up clinging on to every breadcrumb and morsel of love, which more than likely means you stay longer in relationships than you really should because the fear of rejection, uh, you know, ties into the fear of not. Being Longing and I won't find anyone else and this is all I've got right now. So those are all beliefs that are stopping you from really truly um, being accepted for who you are in the relationship that you truly desire. So it can swing that way or you can totally be avoidant of love and be like, I'm not going to get hurt. And this is, you know, subconscious programming. I'm very, very, um, I do a lot of research on the neuroscience and psychology of love and attraction because so much of it is just in our probably what 88% is in our subconscious minds and only 12% are we conscious of what's truly going what our thoughts are and so you're either going to become so needy and needing validation and clinging on or you might swing the opposite way where you're like I'm not going to let anyone in I'm not going to go for the things or the man or the relationship that I want and it's so much more more than that this can be related into your everyday life your job your friendships your family so those are the kind of two um, ne- I don't necessarily want to say negative impacts but the two impacts it can have in your relationships that is very true and I have actually been guilty of staying in relationships or situations far longer than I should have and a lot of that for me is because where my dad passed away when I was young I had a real issue around my fear of loss which tied in with a form of rejection and that fear and that feeling around all of that can get so crippling it it feels awful and when you're in the situation you don't realize that that's what you're doing you don't see that oh I'm staying in this situation because I'm scared of getting rejected it feels totally different so in what ways can we start to face those fears of rejection would you say 
very first step is is um, you know acknowledging that you really truly have a fear of rejection, and then asking yourself, well, what's really this is one of my favorite questions to ask myself and all my clients, all the women I teach is what's underneath this or what's underneath that because the fear of rejection is very surface level if you think about it and I'm like well what truly is going on underneath that and you just shared the beautiful story that you know you lost your dad and so there's so much like onion layers to, to yeah. peel back right there it's like what happened in your childhood where you felt like you were abandoned or rejected by your primary caretakers for most of us that is our parents where did you then internalize that you're not worthy of love and how did that form some of the belief systems that are governing your life because you know we have thought and the thought that we keep thinking creates a belief system a belief a, we have multiple beliefs that create our belief system we, our belief system informs our actions that we take in life and our actions create what we see around us so that's why I always ask okay you see what's happening around you so you might be in a relationship that you can't let go of because you've got that fear of rejection coming uh, coming up and or then avoiding you know getting intimate and close to someone so that take one step back what's really underneath that oh I'm not really worthy I'm not lovable okay what's really underneath that what, what's a past experience you had oh in my childhood um, you know my dad was really working and he was un, uh, emotionally unavailable okay so what's underneath that oh I felt like that you know I had to prove myself all the time and so you have this thing that's running your life so my favorite question to ask what's underneath that that's such an interesting way to look at it I haven't actually thought about it like that before has the fear of rejection affected your life and decisions that you've made in the past? Totally. Oh, my God. So I, my, a little bit of like back history on my life. At 24, when I was living in, in, in London and doing university, art university, in London, I had a panic attack on the London Underground on the Central Line, busy rush hour. And that kind of formed the basis of the next nine years of my life because I didn't trust myself that I was going to be okay. And underneath that, there was just such a fear that who I was was not okay. And I got into codependent relationships with men because if I was alone, maybe the panic attack would happen or I would have anxiety. I had nine years of chronic anxiety, okay? So much so at one point I couldn't even leave my house because I didn't feel safe being me that I could handle the situation. And so in, in terms of, of, of what happened to me was I just attached myself onto men, and I'm not saying they were bad men, not at all, but I couldn't be alone, and there was no independence, which makes a codependent relationship. And then I ended up staying with, uh, you know, the, the my last previous long-term partner, boyfriend, you know, for longer than we should have, because we were trying to make it work, but ultimately it wasn't going to work out. But I just could not let go. I could not let go. The fear was gripping me. And then finally, when I managed it, there was a lot of processing and healing and integration to do. Um, and that was over five years ago. And that's when I started to dive into relationships and authentic relation, uh, re relating practices. Um, and like, who was I really? And why was I ashamed of my sexuality? What happened in my childhood? And so that's been my, my personal journey in the last five years but before that it was like dealing with anxiety dealing with chronic fear that I was not going to be okay thank you for sharing that that's very open and honest of you and what I wanted to ask is you said that you were doing this work for five years since that serious relationship ended 
Did you stay single for the whole five years while you were doing this work or did you date people in between? No, I didn't stay single. I, ha- I didn't have a long-term partnership, but I, I, what I did have was sh- like shorter love affairs. I call them torrid love affairs where you set a container for the ability to show up for each other. Um, I had like, uh, you know, boyfriends for like two months at a time. And um, it was all part of the process of really getting to know myself more. And it's, and it's, I was, I'm always very clear in my intentions. I'm always very clear in how I'm showing up or, you know, the support that I would, that I would like and I need. And I learned all of that because I didn't learn all of that. Um, and, and then, you know, in the last, you know, I went through a whole phase where I, where I call it ethical slut phase, where I was just totally open and loving it uh, and like free in my sexuality. But everyone knew that I was doing that. All the men I was seeing, there was, there was nothing like toxic feminine about that because I was just so clear and that I wanted to have fun with this and I wanted to explore. And if they were on board, great. And this is what it could look like. Um, and then and then I went through a, a period where I decided I need to do a sexual and spiritual cleanse where I said no to everyone and just came back to myself. And, and, here, and this is how it links in really well. I noticed that at that point in my life, I was needing validation from others, that I was smart and I was sexy and that I was wanted. And when I realized that, that's when I was like, nope, I'm going to create a container for myself uh, and just be by myself and, and, and keep to myself sexually, my sexual energy. Um, and that's now when I met my long-term partner. That's amazing and I'm really happy for you that after doing the work you were able to find the long-term partnership that you were looking for. Where you were talking about in those five years you went through the different phases, would you say that each phase you went through helped you become more comfortable around the idea of rejection and did those phases help you to learn to trust yourself more. Totally. So I had a, I had a period of, of, of time when I was, um, you know, in a in a relationship, and this and a relationship. You have to just think like, what's your subconscious societal conditioning on what you think a relationship is, right? For me, a relationship is when two people come together and they talk about things. Conversation is the foundational basis. You cannot have intimacy with someone if you don't share your feelings, okay? Because you cannot, you never know the other person, and you never will know the other person unless they're in front of you and share what's going on in their inside world. That's how you create deeper intimacy. And the fear of rejection ties into that so much because we're like, it's not okay to be vulnerable because what if they reject me? What if they reject what I'm currently feeling? And I always say there's no right or wrong way to how you're feeling. It's simply who you are in this moment and how to get in touch with that. That's a lot of what I teach is feelings. Because I say we're human feelings. We're not only human beings. We navigate life according to our feelings. And we always are striving to feel better about ourselves, but we can't feel better if we don't also feel the contradiction of those feelings that don't make us feel good. And that's how we can use our emotional navigation system to do the personal development, to constantly be like, okay, I'm feeling, you know, rejected or abandoned. How do I want to feel? I want to feel accepted. I want to feel supported. I want to feel loved. So then how do I go from feeling rejected and abandoned? What are the things that are going to make me feel 
loved and accepted. And it doesn't necessarily have to come from your partnership. You can be like, I feel loved and accepted when, you know, my mom phones me or when, um, you know, I get a message from one of my clients that I've changed their life. And then you can slowly do more and more of those actions that make you feel how you want to feel. And inside a relationship, it's asking for your needs and desires and being okay with necessarily them not being met in the way that you want them to be met, but then opening a conversation with your partner around how you can both support each desires and wants and needs to be met. So I went on a little bit of a sidetrack right there. If you just tell me the, yeah, I now remember what you asked me. It's like, did I face the fear of rejection in each of my mini relationships? Yes, because I had a core wound of, and this comes from my childhood that I'm not chosen. So my parents separated and I was like in between my mom and my dad in different countries in between Nepal uh, and Hong Kong and Bangkok. So always flying alone. And it's just, I internalized that. And that's not the truth, but that's what I internalized as a young child. And then I was getting into um, relationships with men where they didn't choose me. So that core wound was just getting reactivated again and it was festering, it was wounding. And then I just realized, well, I'm not choosing me. So how can anyone else choose me if I'm not choosing me? So I really looked at that core wound and looked at my belief system around it and looked where was that belief formed? So it was in my childhood and because of these experiences and then doing inner child integration, which is again, one of the foundational things that I practice myself and teach. Holding my inner child, and this is just a younger version of yourself, who is so afraid and who thinks it's not okay to be who she wants to be because she's not going to get the love from her primary caretakers, usually the parents. And it's in our childhood that trust, the trust bond is formed, that we feel safe, that it's okay to be ourselves. So yes, it definitely impacted me and each relationship helped me realize how to get more in touch with myself. You did start to touch on this question, but if you were dating or you were in a serious relationship, what things could you do to start to make yourself more comfortable with the feeling of rejection? Great question. So one, like, be honest with yourself. Am I, you know, feeling the fear of rejection? Okay, write that down in your journal or type it out on your phone when you're sitting on the tube or the tram or on the way to work and be like, okay, so what's underneath this? Am I, you know, what are my beliefs around this? So, you know, um, Again, I just keep coming back to like, I'm not good enough because that's like, I'm not good enough for love. I'm not good enough to be, so many so many women especially have like, I can't receive. They're not good at receiving. They're in their masculine energy because they always have to be doing, doing, doing. Whereas the feminine is very much more being and receiving and allowing. Uh, so first of all, are you really truly fear, fearing rejection and being honest with yourself? What does that look like? How is that appearing in your life? Make a list of how that appears. How are you stopping yourself when you are in that fear of rejection mode, uh, in that state of being? And then for me, it's foundationally going back to um, looking at in your past, what experiences, what's the first memory you had where you were just like, oh, it's not okay to be me. I'm not gonna be accepted for who I am. And, and seeing how that formed that belief that you have around the fear of rejection and then doing inner child integration and holding your inner child and I do meditations with this I take my clients through like hypnotherapy sessions quantum hypnotherapy sessions where you're just imagining and picturing that little girl inside of you and how afraid she is that she's not going to be loved and being there for you for her as your adult self because the fact is you are never going to leave yourself so make that commitment to yourself. You're going to be with yourself till the day you're no longer in this physical form in this planet. So be there for your inner child and show her the worlds that you've created and show her that it's safe to be loved. 
show her that, to be there. And th that, that is the foundational three steps that I would recommend everybody at least give a try. Try it on, play it out. I love those. I'm going to experiment with them a little bit later on because that is something I have actively been working on. But speaking of that, I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago about being listened to and feeling comfortable to express your desires and knowing that they may not be met in the ways that we are expecting them to be met. How important would you say it is to notice when you are actually being listened to? Because I have had experiences in the past where I have tried to communicate my needs or my desires in so many different ways, anything that I can think of, and it just got to the point where I realised I was not being listened to and I was not being heard. And what I learned is that it really doesn't matter how you communicate those needs and desires if the person can't hear you. If they can't hear you, they are not going to hear you no matter what way you try to communicate that to them. So how can we tell the difference between somebody that's not hearing us or just not listening to us compared to somebody that is trying to meet our needs? They just might not be meeting them in the ways that we're expecting them to. There's a great exercise that I, that I, that I teach and it's called active listening. And uh, if you're in a partnership and you're listening to this right now, just uh, either get your partner to listen in on this or explain it to him. And it's when you say something, ask your partner to repeat back word for words. You're literally reflecting back, okay? And you are a mirror, okay? So if you're sharing about... You, you know, I, I always recommend couples do a, if not daily in the evening, at least once a week, a check-in. A check-in on what's going on for, you know, if, if I had a check-in with my partner, I'd be, I'd ask him to listen and hold space for me, let's say, you know, five minutes each, and just share what's on my mind, what's going through, what are the feelings in my body, but then pausing and allowing him to repeat exactly back, and just using this sentence stem, what I heard you say is... And there's just something that shifts internally when a person repeats back exactly what you said. What I, when I say exactly, you don't have to be like, oh my God, make notes like this. No, 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 no. But in your memory, and I call it whole body active listening because you have to be present for that. You, you, you can't be doing distracted, looking at your phone or anything. No, look into each other's eyes and you listen, take a pause and then say what I heard you say is. And then share in the words that you remember that your partner shared. So this is not about coaching. This is not about bringing your opinions in. It's a simple mirror back reflection of what you heard them say. And then you can ask, is there more? And then if I was sharing, I'd be like, actually, there is. And I'd share some more. And you can go backwards and forwards like this. And that hearing someone repeat back the words you just said, it's like this deep nervous system relief that occurs. Okay, yes, I did say that. And it actually helps you in processing ideas and feelings on a deeper level. So that's the number one exercise that I think everybody should be practicing in a relationship. Do you know, I love that you said that because the only interviewer that I have ever noticed ask that question is Oprah. I have watched her on and off over the last few years and every time she asks a question, I will notice her say, what I heard you say is, and then go on to repeat what the guest has said. 
And I've always thought it was so fascinating because you can tell just how present she is and how she genuinely is trying to listen to what her guests are saying to get the most out of that conversation rather than thinking ahead or thinking to the next question. She really just is present. And then when you feel heard, there's just this like, wow, I'm accepted. I am listened to. It's just this whole nervous system body uh, dropping deeper and deeper. And you want to be around people that listen to you. You'll notice that you're like, I want to hang out with this person because she sees me. She hears me. She accepts me for who I am. So true. And something you mentioned there was eye contact. And while you were talking about it, I was thinking of how you said one of our ways of coping with our fear of rejection is to withdraw and pull ourselves away. And something that I have actively been practicing this year when I've been dating is to make sure that I am holding eye contact with whoever I'm spending time with. And I've noticed that the more I've done that, the more I've... um, where you said about sinking deeper into yourself. Do you think that something such as holding eye contact with the person we are having a connection with can help us to become more comfortable with ourselves? Because I do feel that deep down, if we are not wanting to have eye contact with another person, we are trying to hide a part of ourselves, would you say? Well, the eyes are super intimate. There's, you know, this is the eyes are, we are the majority is visual beings okay and so we process so much information through our eyes and the brain naturally filters out like it cannot process everything that's going on through our senses so it's very selective it is very and you can just know this right now it's like you know you want to buy a car and suddenly that car you see that model of car everywhere that's because the brain has tuned into that and you're putting attention to that and the same thing when you're when you're holding eye contact you start to notice everything that's arising in you. And I just say, practice this it's mindfulness. Practice this witnessing and, of, and observing of what arises in you, what feelings, what sensations, what physical, you know, little ticks or whatever happens. Does your heart beat faster? Do you want to, you know, take a breath and just observe that? And there's no right or wrong way. But be able, and I say, just practice, you know, for 30 seconds with your partner if you want to do that. And just say, hey, can we just look into each other's eyes for just 30 seconds? And then you can also go one step further and be like, do you want to share what you just noticed about yourself? Um, and that's that's how you get in tune with yourself to, even more, is just being a witness to your own internal world. And again, the other person might be having all these other things going on for them, but unless you share, then you're just jumping to conclusions and making assumptions about the other person. So true. And what you just said there about getting to know somebody on a deeper level, something that really just blows my mind is that we can be with somebody for years and still not be comfortable with that level of intimacy. And we always assume that the length of time you've been with someone, the more comfortable you are with them. But I really am learning that that's not always the case. Totally. I mean, it's, it's you know, there's this like, double layer to that also because you can be with someone, be so comfortable that you don't make the effort of, you know, really, truly asking 
or checking in with them. It's like, do you still want your coffee black? Well, maybe they don't. Maybe they want sugar in it today, but you've just made the assumption that because they've had it black for the last five years, you're just going to make it black. So the questions I'm always constantly asking is I'm just checking in with them. Is this still true for you? Is this alive for you? Where would you like support? And that's a daily thing. That is a daily thing in my life. And that's how I know I can show up for them in the way that they would like it not the way I think they want it. And this is where expectation comes in. This is where disappointments comes in. This is when you make, the, the, the number one relationship killer is assumptions. When you make assumptions about your partner. So be, I always say, can you be in that childlike curiosity like you've never met this person before every single day? And that's what's gonna create playfulness and intimacy and be like, and that amazement and awe and wonder that this is, the person that's in front of you right now, whether or not you know them for 10 years or two minutes. I love that. It keeps your relationship really exciting because constantly asking those questions and finding out new information stops your relationship falling into the mundane and it keeps it really interesting. And and one second, let me just add, add in there because, you know, there's the new relationship energy and it's like the love bubble with all the hormones. And it's precisely because everything is new and exciting and you want to get to know them and curious. And then they say that drops off. But I don't believe in that. If you practice curiosity with your partner every single day, there doesn't have to be an ending to this supposed honeymoon period. You keep it going. I love that. I'm learning so much. Thank you. Do you think that we can ever truly get over our fear of rejection or is it something more that we just have to learn to adapt to and learn to live with in some senses? I think it's not about getting over it and it's not about learning to live with it. Okay. I, what I really truly believe is, is understanding yourself and where it's coming from and being with it in that self-compassionate space of like, oh, I'm feeling this right now. What can I do for myself in this moment to love myself a little bit more, to appreciate myself a little bit more? So it's really not about, you know, when you push anything away, it's never going to go away, right? We all know that, especially around emotions and feelings. It's just a suppression or a repression, and it's just going to come out in a different energetic um, way, whether that's in anger or whether that's in, uh, you know, I can't even think of another example right now. So it's about knowing the tools. So understanding that I have this fear and knowing the tools of how to go deeper into that to then understand that that's not even necessarily who you are as an adult. And that is just something that you internalized as a child and then being so self-compassionate to yourself and having anxiety for nine years, chronic anxiety, the number one thing that I learned was self-compassion because ultimately we are so hard on ourselves. We are the hardest out of everybody in our whole life. We are the hardest on ourselves. We are. And I think it's also very important to remember that nobody thinks about you in the same way that you think about you. Totally. Totally. After everything that you have learned, what is the one thing around rejection that you wish you had known in your early 20s? Oh, definitely that the foundational longing each one of us have is to be loved. And that I would have loved to have learned to look at needs and desires, to look at, you know, my inner child in my 20s already then and just understand the beliefs that I created weren't necessarily true. I would have loved to be mentored and supported in that. So if you're young and listen to this, yes, go you. Um, and um, 
Yeah, that's my number one. I would have loved to learn inner child integration and really being able to ask myself the deeper questions. Thank you for sharing all of that. Now, I would love to talk about your book. Yes! So my book is launching on the 8th of August and it's going to be available on Amazon. And the title is Confident, Sexy and Wildly Free. How to own your worth, ditch the self-doubt and not give a fuck what other people think of you. I love it. And this book... I wrote it in five days. It just had to come out. And it's my personal story of my anxiety and how I did my personal development journey and all the tools that I learned. And so it has stories and it's, I call it a playbook because it's not really for you just to sit and read. I want you to sit and read it. And then I want you to go back and do the meditations and then go back and do the EFT uh, tapping sequences and go back and, and, uh, and journal even more. And it's got eight chapters and they deal with how do you ultimately find the freedom to truly be yourself? Because that's what we all want. I love that you wrote your book in five days. And I feel that that really does just show if you take the time to do the work and get to know yourself on a really deep level, learn the truth of who you are, it just makes it so simple. It makes everything so much more simple than we've made it previously. The fact that you didn't have to sit there and plan it out, you just spoke from your truth. I think that's amazing. And I al- and here, I allowed it to come out. I didn't, I was not hard on myself. And every day when I sat down, I said, this is my intention and I'm simply going to put one word after the next word. And that's something I learned is just what's the one next thing you can do? Not the 10 million other things, which is on our to-do list, the one next thing. Because if you do one next thing after one next thing after one next thing, look at that. You've done so much. So true. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Nora. I've really enjoyed chatting to you and I've learned a lot. Where can we find you on social media? Oh, come ping me on Instagram, slide into my DM, send me a voice note, say a hello that you heard me on this podcast. Instagram's my platform. You can come friendly stalk me on my stories and see my life in Bali and what I'm getting up to. And my it's just my name, at Nora Wendell. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. And if I say one thing, let me just say that you are so much more amazing than you think you are. So give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back and just say, I am winning at life and everything is always working out.